Good morning. It's Tuesday, May 26, 2015, from the beautiful Pacific Northwest. This is Tech Talk Today, episode 175. My name is Chris. We have a lot to get into today. And also, if I remember, I'm going to try to give you some schedule information for some of our shows this week, a couple of schedule changes coming up on the Jupiter Broadcasting calendar in a little while. It is uh, sort of the week or two before a bunch of travel is coming to a bunch of the crew. We have uh, Self, Southeast Linux Fest coming up, and BSD Can coming up as well as uh, Noah's going to be in town this weekend for the Linux Action Show. I'll tell you more about that in the later later in the show. If I remember, I don't know if I'll actually remember, <laughs> but hopefully we will. Because the reason why I want to delay that is the first thing I want to do is dig into the news. So let's bring in the Mumble Room. Time appropriate greetings, Mumble Room. Hello. 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 Morning. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's good to have you here. And we have some good news because the fire, uh, the uh, the Firefox, the Fedora project has just leveled up. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're really excited to announce. Get ready for it. Fedora twenty two. <laughs> That's right. Fedora 22 was released today. I actually downloaded it last night. <laughs> I have uh, links to the torrents uh, in the show notes. Torrents.fedoraproject.org. Go, go. Torrents.fedoraproject.org. Fedora 22 comes out. A couple of things that I think are interesting about this release. We're going to talk about it more on Sunday's Linux Action Show. Uh, but uh, this is the one really where they're going all in with Docker. They have updated Docker images and Vagrant boxes, which are pretty cool. Uh, but on the server side, Fedora server defaults to XFS for the file system. The default file system for Fedora server installs now will be XFS running atop LVM for all partitions except boot. Boot will remain a non-LVM extended for partition due to technical logical limitations of the bootloader. Cockpit's in there ready to go, but let's talk about Fedora Workstation. So you're getting the new GNOME 3.16, so you're going to get better notifications. You're going to get the much, much improved Edwadia themes and all the other themes you could get too. Uh, software has been updated quite a bit. Files has been slightly improved. Boxes has been also updated. So a good desktop update for the Fedora project. They've also got the ARM spin, the KDE Plasma spin, which you can go, I don't know if they call them spins, but yeah, I guess they do call them spins. And uh, the XFCE version. Also, uh, Fed Up, I think is what it's called, the uh, tool that makes it makes Fedora usable by human beings that installs things that are, you know, basically mandatory to use it as a desktop. It just was also updated Fedora 22. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and and like uh, ZombieCon says in the chat room, he cares more for Corora 22, which builds in a lot of that stuff you need for human beings to use the desktop by default. So congratulations to the Fedora 22 project. Anybody in the mumble room using it yet? Nah. Yeah. I'm using it for a week now on a Chromebook. On a Chromebook? How's it been? Well, it's a C720P, and almost everything is working besides sleep, but you can handle that with the systemd uh, modifications. Hmm. If you're going to be around later today for Linux Unplugged, I want to spend a little time in Linux Unplugged talking about um, about specifically Fedora 22, and I hope some people have, will join us in the mumble room that have been using it. I have it installed on a machine, so uh, I'll give a, my first takes on it, and then we'll probably do a full review on Sunday's Linux Action Show at some point. And then also, if all goes according to plan on today's episode of Linux Unplugged, Michael Larbell of Pharonix will be joining us to talk about a new daily benchmark initiative that he's launched. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but he wants to have daily benchmarks of Linux rigs, so I'll ask him what's going on there. Speaking of what the hell is going on, it's official. Carter, or I'm sorry, Carter... <laughs> Get Carter. No, Charter is is acquiring Time Warner Cable in a deal that is valued to be seventy eight point seven billion. That's with the pinky billion dollars. Carter Communications. I'm sorry, Charter. I, Carter's 
Never mind. Charter Communications uh, is going to be making this huge purchase. It's a massive merger. Uh, and uh, they, uh, they plan is they plan to pay fifty five billion plus in cash and stock for Time Warner Cable, including debt. Uh, overall, the value of for is going to be uh, is going to be seventy eight point seven billion dollars. That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. They're going to have additional two billion in cash after the deal is all done. The combined company will be the largest second U.S. cable operator and the largest in the Southern California. It'll be the largest third largest pay TV company in the U.S. behind Comcast. So there you go. It could be good. Um, I actually have Charter, and I don't hate them, so that's at least a good sign. Hmm. There you go. I, and these, you know, these mergers are going to continue to happen, uh, and and it doesn't really apply. I don't want to spend too much time on it because it doesn't really apply to people outside the U.S. very much. But inside the U.S., actually, oh, go ahead. Actually, these will apply to people outside really? the U.S. Tell me There's how. these TPP and TTIP agreements going on, which pretty much are free trade agreements across these big countries that have large economies. So I think in the end, the mergers are happening because these deal will come true and they need to be strong enough because competition will be harder ah, once so the deals are finished. This is them moving the pieces into place ahead of time. You think the TPP is that big of a deal? It is. Because if you think about a free trade agreement, it's pretty much a company is accessing another market. So they need to be big so that they can invest quickly into the other right. market and they so they the can dominate that. Right. Exactly. Yeah, they got to have the, the when that opens up, they got to be able to be a first market mover, and they got to have the huge resources to do that. That's a really yeah. good insight. You're right. I think you. Wow, I would not have connected those two things, but uh, that explains so many other things. I've been reading the news around the TPP right now that it connects a lot of dots. I think Daredevil, and I think you probably nailed that. Um, and and it's a good. It is a good reminder why some of these things in the U.S., even though on first pass, seem to be a U.S. centric story. Uh, do have worldwide ramifications when you zoom out a bit. What do you guys think? Is this going to have any kind of ramification? Microsoft is going to unveil Cortana for Android and iPhone. And I'm not, I'm going to be honest, uh, I'm not super familiar with all of the functionality of Cortana. Um, it's always been a Microsoft Bob feature to me. But I want to watch a little bit of this video. And uh, this is I'm the first time I've ever seen this. I'm willing to watch this. And I will admit right now if I think Cortana could be useful. If I could put it on my Android device, I'd be willing to Windows do it. has always been great at connecting your PC to all the devices in your life. And with <laughs> Windows 10, we're going to take that a step even farther. With viruses. With Windows 10, you can expect your Windows 10 PC to connect and work great with the three-year-old printer you have. You can expect Windows 10 to connect and display your content on the brand new Miracast TV you just bought. And now we're adding to Windows 10 a phone companion that'll connect your Windows 10 PC experience to whatever smartphone you have. Oh. A Windows phone, an Android phone, oh. or an iPhone. So this, this isn't exactly what I thought it was then. When you start using your Windows 10 PC, you'll find the phone companion really handy right here. And when you launch it, it'll help you get your phone set. God, Windows 10 looks so much like Linux, doesn't it? Did you see that launcher? That looks straight out of the GNOME 3 desktop. Set up to work great with your Windows 10 PC. If you have an iPhone, you can use the companion app to see the things that you need to set up on your iPhone to make it connect to your Windows 10 PC. So one of the things, uh, this is interesting. I don't think this. I find this particularly interesting. What I'm curious to know about, and here, here's some of the Cortana here. He's going to talk about some of the Cortana functionality. What I'm curious to see is, um, could they bring 
something that's even better than Siri, because anecdotal rating I've said is it's better than Siri and maybe even better than Google Now. And if they could bring that to Android and I could have something that's functional that maybe doesn't go through Google. Things we're doing that's new in Windows 10 is enabling you to have the world's only personal digital assistant in Cortana. And we're building Cortana right into your Windows 10 PC as we've built Cortana right into Windows phones. You can talk to Cortana to ask her a question. You can do searches and queries and find your stuff. You can even do things like ask Cortana to give you a reminder at a particular time or at a particular place. And that capability gets a lot better when Cortana can exist on whatever phone you have. We're also going to enable Android. all Windows 10 PC users to take the intelligence of that Cortana assistant with them onto not just their Windows phone, but also an iPhone or an Android phone as an app you can install on one of those devices. On your Android phone, Cortana appears as an app, which you can launch and make the same queries, ask the same questions. What's the weather like tomorrow? The forecast for tomorrow shows mostly cloudy skies with a high of 67 and a low of 52. And if your phone is in your pocket, when Cortana has a reminder for you, your phone will wake up and buzz so you'll get your helpful notifications wherever you are. Today, people have this expectation that they'll be able to take whatever device they have and have all of their content handy. So uh, I want to stop it right here. Um, so I think, uh, 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 yeah, you're right, Rika. Their GUI does remind me of the Cinchi installer in Antigros. Um, uh, mini MCs, mini mic, uh, mini mini mic. What do you? How, mini mic? How do you say it? I don't know. <laughs> but you made a point about uh, Cyanogen. Yeah, I mean, it's, it would be cool for Cyanogen users if I don't need a voice search with Google services. Right. And remember that Microsoft just made that super sweet deal with Cyanogen to bundle the Microsoft apps with Cyanogen. And Cortana is probably... Okay, so I'm going to talk more about this in Linux Unplugged on uh, later today. But when Angela moved over to Linux, we kind of ran into some unexpected... Uh, more modern Excel spreadsheet compatibility issues than we thought we would. We thought that would probably be more handled than it, than it has been. And so one of the things I decided to do was sign her up for Office 365 online because I thought, well, she could just use Excel in her web browser on her Linux box. And when I did that, I didn't realize – I thought I was going to get like what was Google Docs. What I got was like – Google Apps for Business, but Microsoft version. I mean, I've got like Active Directory. I've got basically an Exchange server, Outlook in the web. I've got every Microsoft application. I've got the full, like I could hook up my smartphone to ActiveSync connected to this new Office 365 and have full-fledged Outlook with calendar synchronization and groupware collaboration and everything totally for the Jupyter Broadcasting business on a hosted Microsoft front-end, you know, uh, web interface. And... um if they could tie that business stuff in with Cortana so I could have a business version of Cortana that would talk to that, to that, then I would have, I could, in a way, I could use the Google stuff for my personal account and the Cortana stuff for my work stuff. I, I kind of would be down with that, actually. Um, because when I set all that up, I just wanted Excel. But then I was like, this is the entire, this is the entire backend suite of apps that you need. And I could totally cancel Google apps for business and get off of Google for that and move over to Microsoft. I don't think that's much better of a transition, so I didn't bother. But this Cortana piece could connect it all together. I think the fundamental question is, though, is Cortana really all that useful? 
Uh, and Corky, uh, you mentioned you 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 noticed something that sort of was lacking from their presentation. Well, in all of their advertisements so far, they've avoided using the word Bing, and Cortana is completely based on yes the Bing tools and the Bing API. Maybe they're embarrassed slightly about the reputation that Bing has. Yeah, I think uh, I think they know that the brand uh, hasn't been successful, and so they now are at a point. Um, it's so beautiful what they're doing. It's so genius. This is what you're seeing is how a corporate monster self justifies their failures. Is so Bing was a direct was a direct affront against Google, which has now pretty much not. It, it, nobody thinks it's going to go much further than it has but what what Microsoft is able to do is is able to say well look we never needed to beat Google because now we've done all this R&D we can integrate this great service across the board and suite of Microsoft applications so we'll integrate it into the Windows 10 desktop we'll integrate it into Windows Phone and we'll integrate it into Cortana and we'll we'll sell it to third parties and that's really why we did all of this and even then though what that really means is all of those services just have a third rate search engine Cortana's search is always going to be limited because it's using Bing. I don't know about you guys, but personally, I still get better results using Google. So if I had to find something and it was important, like uh, a couple of weeks ago, I needed to go see a friend at the hospital, and I wanted, and there was two hospitals with the same name in the same damn city. It's the most ridiculous thing ever, and I needed to know for damn sure I was going to the right one. I, I didn't go anywhere else but Google. And I, in that situation, that's the only place I'd ever go. Because I've got to get that data. i got to get that Maps app. And the other thing is I know I boom, boom, click, click. I'm already navigating. It's so sweet and tight. Um, well, to, You, to you be, put Bing behind be it. I don't the, think I want it. Devil's advocate. Yeah, go ahead. I've actually had many cases where I've tried to go somewhere and Google take me to the wrong place yeah, yeah. about five or six times. And then Bing Maps would actually have the right place. So, I mean, it's yeah. maybe it's hit or miss in that case. No, you know, I'll give Microsoft this, like the Bing Maps stuff and that. Uh, there are some stuff that they are already better than Google Maps at. Like, one of the things I really like about Bing Maps is you can tell it, don't even start navigating me till I'm on the freeway. Like, you don't have to tell me how to get from my house to the freeway. I've got that. Like, that kind of stuff is really smart. Um, so, in some sense, Microsoft has caught up really, really fast. And, and what's, and okay, so now I've bashed them. Now I'm going to give them some props. Not only have they caught up pretty fast on, on making a pretty decent, compelling product with Cortana. It sounds like it's probably better than Siri. Um, but at the same time, they've been building all of that out. They've also been flying like a bat out of hell, building out Azure at the same time. And a lot of this stuff does ride on top of Azure. And so they are getting a little bit of that Amazon secret sauce where their own infrastructure is needed to host their own applications, and then they can rent it out. Just like like Amazon had to build out an incredible data center to host the Amazon Web Store, and now they have the uh, Amazon uh, EC2 services and S3 services that they can, they can sell off, and it's, it is their number one moneymaker now. Microsoft had to have a ton of back-end infra- infrastructure for things like Cortana, things like Windows Phone, things like Xbox Live, and now they've managed to flip that around into a moneymaker for them. And the thing that we don't give them enough credit for is – and the thing we don't fully appreciate, and, and the only reason I know this is because I was talking to uh, one of the guys at, at Linux Fest, uh, is internally they've gone through three or four iterations of what Azure is in the background. Like it's, it's become completely different how they do Azure is completely changed like three times solidly and it's going through another change. And in the meantime, they've still managed to keep that a competitive product, add to it, and for the most part, it, it, it doesn't have great reliability compared to some of the others, but it's pretty damn reliable. So you combine all of that infrastructure with this app, 
I'm definitely going to at least install it on my on my Android device and try it for a little while and see if it beats Google because if it has a little bit of a privacy edge and sometimes, by the way, you gain privacy just by differentiating who gets your data. Like if I'm giving Google uh, some information and I'm giving Microsoft different information, at least they don't both have the same information. So there's something there, I guess. I don't know. I actually think that the uh, Cortana app would be more successful on Android than it would be on the desktop or Windows phone. Or yeah, for sure. Even iOS because, you know, they'd be competing with Siri at that point. If there was a really cool way to, to make it feel like my Cortana app on my phone was way more badass if I had Cortana on my desktop, like if there was something it could do like, hey, Cortana, grab that file off my desktop. And then like on the desktop version, it would like push it up to one drive and then and then on the phone, it would pull it down from one drive because that's how they'd have to do it, right? Uh, that kind of yeah, stuff would, would be, be like awesome. – Right. That or like or or like, hey Cortana, you know, run software update on my machine at home, or, or do I have any up? You know, if you could do that kind of stuff, that would now you're getting Jarvis level. It, when it's check the weather, yeah. Well, yeah. But yeah. when it's when it's right hey, now, it's like it's like uh, I, uh, pretending to be Siri. Right. Uh, yeah. And that that isn't. I don't even need it to make me a calendar calendar entry. I mean, that is kind of nice, but I, yeah. Uh, um. But coming out for both platforms is said, at least at least they're at least they're doing that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I love the part where they're talking about how the the connectivity and stuff, where all they're talking about is like the basic fundamentals and stuff. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You have you can you can hook up your three year old printer. Okay? Right. Yeah. Yeah. How about a ten year old printer? Yeah. Or any other system. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Though I I, I look at this and I think um, after having played with Office three sixty five last night. Boy, though, Microsoft has always been in a spot. There's just a few loose ends. If they connected these things, if they connected Cortana with this, like this stuff, like I just said, and if I could have like this really nice business interface, they could really pull it off. It's just Microsoft usually doesn't seal the deal. I mean, these are the guys that shipped two different music stores for years while iTunes ate their lunch. Uh, just a quick speaking of iTunes, mark it in your calendars, ladies and gentlemen. Tuesday, May 26, 2015, this is the day Chris said is the decline of Apple. I actually have been sort of contemplating this recently. Um, I'm not, um, I'm not like you know John Gruber over here or something. But uh, I followed Apple for a long time because my mom was a graphic artist and she was one of the first in the business. And so we've had we had the very first Apples and Macs, the very first versions of Photoshop in our house. And so the media production end of the Apple hardware has stuck with me. When I went into the professional world, one of my specialties was, yeah, this is the Linux Windows guy, and he also knows how to do Macs. So if you need Chris, you know, if you need a Mac, you know, he can do that for you. And then that, then that sort of translated. Now here I am. I continue to have Macs for some of our media production. So I've always kind of followed the company um, pretty much my entire life. And uh, I definitely have noticed recently, you know, the press has always been, oh, since Steve Jobs died. Oh, since Steve Jobs died. You know, keep ringing that bell. Steve Jobs died. And they wouldn't have done this if Steve Jobs was there. How many times have we all heard that line? Uh, pretty Pretty much every every media outlet has said that, but I I, I now I'm going to say it. I've never said it actually, but now I'm going to say it. Um, so this weekend it was announced that Johnny Ive is stepping down as the lead designer for Apple. He's handing it over to two other people, which I think right there is a warning sign because Apple is a company from its core built to be run by a single visionary. So and and then when Steve Jobs passed away. That design vision was led by Johnny Ive, and now it's going to two individuals, one who will be responsible for industrial design, that's things like the MacBooks and the PCs, and one who will be responsible for graphical design, things like iOS and OS X. And Johnny's going to travel more. 
he doesn't he's not very specific but he's probably going to go to England um and if you look at uh for example the new MacBook 1 the MacBook with one port it's just a ridiculous product and if you look at the Apple Watch this is so right now reports are saying they probably sold about 2.5 million Apple Watches initially and now the sales have dropped off completely and i just i wonder if if without Steve Jobs there and without Johnny Ive there, does Apple lose something pretty significant? Aren't they? I mean, they can so easily teeter from a company with a unique design and idea that kind of pushes the industry forward, and it's so easily they can teeter into total irrelevancy that makes an impractical product that doesn't work for anybody. And it just like sometimes it's hard to tell like where they're at on that spectrum. I mean, if you think about it, they, technically they did come out with that new MacBook and the, the Apple Watch with Ive. So maybe he's just t- wanting to step down. No, I know. That's my time. point. Yeah, no, I mean, my point is, yeah, that's exactly my point is I think, yeah, I think that they've, I think it isn't working. And that's true, ZombieCon. They've sold way more Apple Watches than they have Android Watches. They sold more Apple Watches probably in their first weekend. They did sell more Apple Watches in their first weekend than all of 2014 for Android. But I just, I wonder, I don't know, I just curious to see what happens with them. It seems it seems like um, a lot of important people have left since since Steve Jobs died, and Johnny Ive I thought was maybe the most important. It was still there, but you know, it was interesting. They did this interview with Stephen Fry for the Telegraph, where it came out, and the way they the way they covered it, which is very clever. The way they spun this is they're promoting Johnny. They're saying that he's now the chief executive designer or something like that. They made a new title. And they promoted him, and this new position basically gives him less responsibility and lets him go back. He, you know, go back, go back home. Uh, yeah, we'll just see what happens. We see what happens. All right, moving on from there, let's debunk a story that got a lot of momentum last last week. I think we talked about it even on TechSnap. Maybe maybe it was two weeks ago we talked about it on TechSnap. Uh, PC World is debunking that story that your SSD is going to lose data when it sits on the shelf. This got my attention. Uh, maybe not panicking, but it definitely got my attention that uh, you could start to be just begin for your data to degrade in just days when stored in a hot room if you leave your SSD on the shelf. Apparently, that was a huge misunderstanding, according to the man who wrote the original presentation. In a conversation with Ken Smith of Seagate and Alan Cox, the Seagate engineer—oh, really? Oh, Alvin Cox. Oh, Alvin Cox, the Seagate engineer who wrote the presentation that set the internet a buzz. He said, and this is a quote: "People have misunderstood the data they're looking at. Uh, I wouldn't worry about losing data. It, it, this all pertains to the end of life. As a consumer, an SSD product or even a flash product is never going to get to the point where it's temperature dependent on retaining the data." Ah, hmm. I didn't realize that. Uh, they say the original presentation dates back to when Cox was a chairman of JDEC committee and the industry group that blesses memory specs. It was intended to help data centers and enterprise customers understand what could happen to an SSD, but only after it reached the end of its useful lifespan and then was stored at abnormal temperatures. It's not intended to be applied to an SSD in the prime of its life in either an enterprise or consumer product. Did you guys hear this story? I heard about it, but... Does that mean that even if it's at the end of life, as long as it's kept in a like room temperature or something, it'd still be fine? Well, yeah. They say it's nearly impossible for average users to get it to the wear point where this would be an issue. Uh, um, one of the criteria for SSDs to lose data at high temperatures is total wear. The risk of data loss is very small, Cox said. 
Um, even so, a worn-out SSD would still go a year without data loss, according to the data in the original presentation. That's while being stored at 87 degrees the entire time. That's not nearly as bad as it sounded when the, some of the way. Boy, isn't it so funny the way the way this got spun? Because <laughs> the, the way it got spun is within a few days at high temperatures, data begins to get lost. You got to love hyperbole. Yeah. Woo, I feel a lot better about that. Hey, and now, now that we're going to save all the money from having to replace those SSDs, let's support your favorite podcasting network, patreon.com slash today. <laughs> I wanted to say it like Oprah, but I could. Hold on. Let me see if I can say it like Oprah. If I can say it like Oprah, one of you guys have got to got to go in there and pledge. Tech Talk. Wait, uh, patreon.com slash today. I think that was pretty good. I think that deserves somebody going over there. Uh, this is where we go over to raise funds. We're at 496 peeps right now. Thank you so much. Where we're at right now isn't like super comfortable. But uh, so, and what I mean by that is like, I'm not able to go on a whim to like, well, not really whim. It was, we kind of knew it was coming, but not able to go out to things like self yet myself, but that's okay. I can stay back here at home base and I'm going to try to help out some of the crew that does make it a little bit. And that's where we're, that's where we're at right now. That is pretty awesome. When I stop to think about it, the Jupiter Broadcasting Network in 2015 is going to have folks at BSD can and self the same week. And we're going to have simultaneous coverage from two different conferences in two different parts of the world. And we're going to help them out with their costs for that. And that's because of you guys over at patreon.com slash today. That is an awesome position to be in. And I didn't have to go to a single sponsor. I didn't have to, t- I didn't have to run a single ad to make that possible. And it's really, really thanks to you guys. It's awesome. You guys are our boss, and I like to make you the priority. Patreon.com slash today. Help us make you the priority and help make the network even bigger, stronger, and better so we can do even more. We really do appreciate it. Patreon.com slash today. And check out that activity feed when you sign up for exclusive Exclusive, exclusive, it's exclusive nuggets. I don't know. Exclusivities, exclusive, exclusivities. I don't know. I need to come up with a good term for like exclusive Jupiter Broadcasting bits, like, like JB Bytes. That might oh, for exclusive JB Bytes. No, I don't. I don't like it. I'm satellites. Bad. Exclusive satellites. Dock at our station. <laughs> I don't know. I'm digging. I just can't find it. Uh, all right. So the uh, schedule I want to talk to you about. Um. Thursday, I am taking um, Tech Talk off the air for Thursday this week because I'm going to do some hardware improvements that are sort of finishing up the last bit of work that we had from last week. I kind of got everything in a working condition last week. This Thursday, we pre-recorded TechSnap, so that way I could take the studio dark Thursday, get all the fixes in, because two things are going down this weekend. On Friday, there won't be a Tech Talk, because we're recording a big batch of Women's Tech Radio, so that's one reason why i got to get everything fixed before they do a big batch of that. And also on Friday, Noah's landing. He's coming in from Grand Forks, North Dakota, to, to uh, be here in studio for this Sunday's Ooh. Linux Action Show. And it's a packed episode on Sunday. Now, Rotten Corpse, I don't know if Noah's had a chance to kind of give you our plan, because we were discussing over telegram we're trying to fit it all in. we're trying to fit in a bunch of stuff right now we have uh, self coming up so we're gonna get a ton of stuff from self we have an interview this sunday with remind me rotten who is it with um do you remember lucas from uh, auto test oh yeah 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 that's right the auto test folks are the uh is the project behind a lot of automated testing for all of the open source projects we really depend on i mean like a lot of them like red hat uses it the linux kernel uses them ubuntu uses them if you've ever heard we use automated testing what the hell is that and how does it work and how do they all end up depending on this one project? We're going to talk to them on Sunday. But here's the catch, and this is why you might want to watch live, is we might actually sit on that interview for a little while and release it later because also this Sunday we're going to do a review of Fedora 22. And we'll probably ship that sooner since it's more time relevant. 
And then Noah's going to be doing some traveling, and we'll ship the uh, interview during that weekend. And we have a lot coming up, so Noah's going to be here in studio, so catch that. It should be a great live show because we're going to be doing the review and the interview live on Sunday. Then it's going to be the faux show. Uh, so uh, Thursday will be dark. No Tech Talk today or TechSnap. TechSnap is pre-recorded, though, so you can go download it. And Friday, Women's Tech Radio is going to be in studio recording, but they don't stream that live. Uh, so we won't have those. That's, that's the schedule for this week. And then Sunday's a massive, massive Sunday. And then pretty soon coming up, we're going to have uh, live self stuff. Also, that means on Thursday, we won't have live coverage of Google I.O. I apologize. I really, really wanted to do that. But I've got to get these things fixed before we do all this recording coming up this weekend. It's just, it's just the way the schedule worked out. So uh, we, will, we will do recap coverage on the resuming tech talk at all applicable. Also, Coda Radio will be doing coverage, um, which will probably be more relevant uh, because we'll get more into the development side of things on that on Monday's edition of Coda Radio. So you can check that out as well. So I will be back here tomorrow and uh, we will be here at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, jblive.tv. And you go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that converted to your local time zone. That's a lot of stuff going on this week. It's fun, though. It's really exciting. Uh, it helps break it up, you know, having people come and visit and moving the schedule around. You know, I, I understand it can be very – it's, you know, it's hard to build a routine around that, and I don't appreciate it when my podcasts I listen to change their schedule. It's a pain in the ass. If it gives it any, any silver lining, it keeps it fun and exciting for us. <laughs> so at least it breaks up the monotony, but also it's just great having people come in, and it feels really good to get those hardware issues sorted out. And so far – Every time I sort out those hardware issues, we end up better off. And um, again, like I had to buy, I had to buy a three hundred dollar HDMI capture device. And again, it was like I'm just so thankful for your patrons. It it really helps make a difference when I run into these kinds of things. Okay, time to leave. Thank you for joining me. I wanted to end with Microsoft's previous attempt at Cortana. Not really the same, but essentially the really kind of making things easier for the user, keeping it simple. You don't need a manual. Just tell the computer what you want. It'll ask you the following questions after that. Really kind of re Microsoft really wanted to redefine how you interact with computers. And it was really the vision of Bill Gates and Bill Gates's wife, Melinda Gates, who really wanted to push this forward. You've probably heard of it before. It's called Microsoft Bob. And I want to play this clip from the Computer Chronicles as we move towards Windows 10, as we talk more and more about Cortana. As we learn all of these features that Windows 10 will have on your mobile device, remember that history does have a tendency to repeat itself over and over again. Just saying. So when you watch this, keep that stuff in mind. Thanks for joining me. See you back here tomorrow. This is Bob, the unassuming star of the Consumer Electronics Show. It's more than just a smiley face with glasses. Bob is actually Bill's latest contribution to friendly user interfaces and software integration. Today, we'll get to meet Bob and all the other new computer inventions here at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas on this special edition of the Computer Chronicles. Computer manuals, they're history. Nobody wants to read them. They never make sense. All I want to do when I buy my software is take it home and use it. Well, enter Bob, the newest program from Microsoft Home. It's based on the old KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. You have a conversation, essentially, with this guy. So with Java Dragon or Rover the dog. Start the program, up comes Rover, and Rover says, what do you want to do? And you say, I want to open the calendar, and away we go. And Rover says, what do you want to do on the calendar? You want to add an event? You want to move an event? You want to see by a different date? So it's just natural. It's like dealing with a person. And that's what we're expert at. We're not expert at dealing with computers. Bob is almost childlike. 
It applies a preschool-level game interface to serious tasks like keeping track of your finances or organizing your email. Well, for consumer users like us who already use PCs, we will never use it. But for the brand new user who's never had a PC, I don't think it's baby-like. I think it does represent the next generation of interfaces, the social interface. And it does have ramifications of bringing more and more people into it. Bob has no manual, no menus, no help screens, no text commands. You manage your tasks simply by clicking on icons and moving around different rooms in Bob's house. While it may seem all too simple, Microsoft's chairman Bill Gates says despite the advent of Windows, computer software is still too hard to use. But still, there's something really lacking uh, that won't let us get into the, the broad market. And so we've been putting a lot of, of money into talking to experts, sitting down with users, really trying to discover where uh, is the, the solution to this incredible problem. We're trying to solve a really major problem out there. There are tons of people who want to use a computer who say, hey, this is a magic box that can really help me in my life. Let's get my hectic life under control, do things for me. But either I'm a little afraid of it, intimidated, or even more importantly, I just don't have the time to learn it all. It's too complicated. I don't want to take classes. I just got to get on with life. With Bob, what we're trying to do is make sure those people can turn on the computer and get going. Bob comes with several built-in applications like a letter writer, calendar, address book, email, personal finance manager, and games, but the real power of Bob may be as a platform for new applications. The real strategy behind this product is to, again, get as many pre-seas sold into the homes or new users as possible, so they make this, what they call social interface, very easy to use to take away the intimidation factor. But realistically what it does is it gets Microsoft's products into more homes, more PCs into more homes, and ultimately what it does is it allows them to sell more products uh, to these consumers over time. In fact, Microsoft is already offering the first add-in for Bob, a print shop type package called Great Greetings. But Bob is apparently only the first step in Microsoft's effort to make computers easier to use. According to Bill Gates, the next step will be software you can talk to. You'll be able to talk to the machine and it will use uh, voice recognition or so-called natural language processing to be able to understand what you do. Uh, it will be able to, as it talks to you, you'll see its lips move and, and all the different emotional responses that it will have will be incredibly rich uh, in the future. I've got songs from the big chair. Would you like to hear something from that? Sure. Would you like to hear everybody wants to rule the world? Sure. <laughs> okay, boy. Oh, yeah.